speak truth to life tell your story tell your song tell your truth be authentic speak truth to life stop hiding your truth be true to you and the world must come and respect speak truth to life with your host mocha sister Good morning, good afternoon in the world, wherever you are. This is your host, Pam Mosby of Speak Truth to Life. So we have breaking news out of the United States as usual with this whole fascination of shooting or using shooting to deal with life issues. And I'm not going to tarry too long with this story. I try to avoid it uh, as much as possible, but I do they want to give you some updates for those who don't know uh and outside of detroit michigan there was a horrific shooting at a school um this started with a student uh who brought a gun to school um um, the shooting uh, uh suspect is ethan crumley he's 15 years old um and by a series of unfortunate events for himself and also for the community in Oxford. Um, This individual brought a gun to school. The school did not, um, because there were a lot of questions and discussions people were having about like, why was he able to bring a gun to school? This particular school is not in the urban part of school. So let's talk about that briefly. I taught in urban schools for eight years of my life. In urban schools, like in the city, when I say urban, I mean city. In the city schools that I taught at, there's no way you can get into a school without uh, uh, some security guard patting down your bag or going through a metal detector. In this case, this young man goes to school in an affluent part of Detroit is in the suburbs of Detroit. So it's not in the city. City schools in Detroit, they treat them like they're criminals. And when you go to the suburbs, it's all easy breezy. You can walk in and out ease with no kind of real security. This young man had a gun in his bag. Nobody knew about it because there was no security protocols at that school. And whatever security protocols they had at that school, they're not the same as what would be in a city or urban location. So just be aware of that. So this week, there were a lot of interesting information that came out about the case. Um, And I'll get into it maybe in a future episode, but... I wanted to provide you with an update. Um, overnight, this happened a couple of days ago, but within a short period of time, after he was in um, placed into police custody, um, the parents disappeared. The parents of this suspect shooter, the shooting suspect, Ethan Crumley, his mother and father disappeared. Nobody knew where they were at. Um... At this point, 
um, their son has four charges against him for murdering four of his classmates. Now his parents have, you know, involuntary manslaughter charges against them, four counts each. So they disappeared and came into the city of Detroit to, I guess, act as if they wanted to disappear into New York because they assumed nobody would be looking for them. Well, some good citizens saw the car and in, in some kind of industrial building. And yes, with the 10,000 reward offer, somebody saw the two parents hiding inside the industrial building, allegedly. Now they are in police custody. There's so much going on with this story that it'll probably take me hours and hours to talk about. And I'm not going to do that right now because I'm still trying to wrap my head around what happened. But these are the facts. James and Jennifer Cromley were taken in custody following an extensive manhunt for the couple. They failed to appear for a legal arraignment on Friday. Um, the police authorities are saying that they were, the parents were appeared to be hiding in the basement of a commercial building and gave themselves up to police. I guess when the police came to that location, they found them um, and they were found because of a tip. There's a, a special response team set up outside that property did and did observe that the Crumley's car was left in the building's parking lot. The business owner called 911 after seeing the car and saw a woman running away from it. And, you know, their car, the couple, people are talking about it, podcasters, the news, everybody's talking about this couple and all the things that, you know, led to their son using a gun. A lot of information came out regarding, um, you know, Ethan, and it's 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 not it's just a tragic situation. I mean, the fact that you got U.S. marshals looking for you—that's not good. <laughs> Let, let's 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 be, keep it a hundred. That is probably the worst thing that you can hear of. But you know, at this point, this is a sad case because there are no winners. Um, apparently it looks like Ethan may be have suffering from some sort of breakdown, mental issue. I'm not sure what it was. I was led to a video that showed Ethan when he was 10 years old and he was a bright young kid just talking about, you know, he had a YouTube channel. Can you believe that? He had a YouTube channel and he was talking about how he loved playing video games and stuff like that. He looked so innocent. He looked so fresh faced. That was five years ago. I'm not sure what's transpired between now and then, but something did change to make this young man draw pictures of his classmates in blood and having a gun. This is being reported by the prosecutor in the case and also been provided to all the media outlets that this young man had uh, been called into the school with his parents the day of the incident, which is so interesting to me. The day of the incident, he was at the school, which means he came to school 
was his backpack that had a gun in it and nobody knew about it. And when he was in the classroom and he showed the picture to his teacher, and I'm not going to blame the teacher because as a, as a former educator, you see all kinds of interesting things. It, it doesn't mean that the kid is about to like commit murder and kill people. But when the teacher saw it, I guess she did call the front office and then the front office asked him to come in to talk to administration about whatever. But by the time he got into that meeting with the administration and his parents, he had changed the picture and took out the disparaging parts and only left a few parts on it. They looked at whatever was left on the paper and basically said, oh, it's no big deal. And let's, let's send him back to school for the rest of the day. They let him go. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, as an individual who's worked in urban schools for almost 10 years, there's no way if a black kid did that, if they had some strange behavior, they wouldn't have been sent back to the classroom. I'm going to tell you that right now. And I, I, one of the questions I had, because it's not a racial issue, by the way, it's not a racial issue. I just want to point out how they treat people, uh, students of color versus, you know, people like Ethan. Ethan was, you know, giving kid gloves, but the system that he goes to protects him because they don't have, they don't, they don't operate like that. When you have a child in an urban school setting, those parents get called all the time when they're issues. That's number one. Number two, the children in the urban school system is, um, if they have any kind of behavioral issues, um, they have a IEP. It's like an individual education plan. And, um, and then they, you know, there are other protections in there, but, you know, they have certain people, extra people in the classroom. I'm not sure what this school looks like. I don't know if they had an extra, you know, assistant or um, substitute or, or assistant in the classroom with the teacher, because, you know, the teacher could only grab so much. If they have 35, 40 students and there's not an extra person in the classroom with them, they can't really see like verb. I mean, they can see all their students, but they might miss something that's occurring internally with their students. When I used to teach poetry classes, there was always three of us in the classroom, myself as the lead teacher, the regular teacher, and they always had like a, a para, a paraprofessional. They would just be kind of observant and they would go to each of the students and check in. on. But I always taught in urban schools. I never taught in suburban schools. So I don't know how they operate. I don't know what's the difference. But in this situation, the school, I think will be culpable for a few things. I'm not a legal person, but I'm just saying, I don't feel like the school, I feel like the school oversaw some things and they were too lenient in some things. And the fact that they didn't have any security protocols that allowed him to bring a gun into that location is crazy because, you know, according to a lot of the things that I heard, because I looked at all kinds of videos in the last week or so about this, I've heard from parents that went to that school, students, who said they were looking at social media and that Ethan was posting um, uh, troubling things, uh, like he had a clock uh, clock down on his his Instagram. He changed his his um, profile to Black Death, but then again, somebody said Black Death is like a game. But anyway, he had a clock on his page saying, "I'll see you tomorrow, Oxford." 
Uh, some people felt like that was a sign. And a lot, a, a few students did not go to school that day because they told their parents that they felt like one boy said, he was like, I'm not going because something bad is going to happen at school tomorrow. And he didn't go. And I know a lot of people are saying to me, hey, Pam, they should have called the police, but the police have been contacted several times for that school and the school operates differently. The school will be like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just, it's not uh, verified information, but now look at what has happened. So I do think the school has some kind of responsibility along with the parents. Finally, my third and last point, and I'm not going to probably be done with this story because there's a lot to uncover with this story, but there's nothing wrong with being a gun owner. But if you're going to be a gun owner, make sure you secure your gun, especially if you have other people in the house, especially children. Um, I lived in a house that had a gun. We knew my father was a gun, legal gun owner. Um, I didn't even know where the gun was at. Every time these school shootings happen, the students or the, 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 the children that end up using the gun, they are, for some reason, they know where to get the gun from. So you have to ask yourself whose responsibility is to secure the gun. You can't just say I'm a gun owner and just leave your gun out. And some tragic thing happens. In this case, according to the prosecutor in this case, out in Detroit, Michigan, she's saying that this whole school shooting was planned by Ethan. So we will see how this plays out. It is a shame that the parents of Ethan Crumbly are pleading not guilty. And while they may have not pulled the trigger, having an unsecured firearm in your house, unlocked, easy, accessible for anyone to get it. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how this um, case goes because this will change how parents or others who are homeowners who have weapons, because a lot of these weapons come from the mom's house. In fact, I forget, I failed to mention that the mother or the father purchased this gun on Black Friday. And also on social media, they talked about, hey, look at this beauty I bought my son or something like that. It's, it's on social media. As much as I love social media, we have to be careful what you put on social media because it may come back to haunt you. Now, these parents were joyfully talking about how they, you know, at the, the gun range with, with Ethan and, and showing this, that, and the third. Um, it's very interesting if that's to be true from the information that I saw that was posted online. It didn't look like it was not real. I mean, if you putting this stuff on social media, the police has access to it. They that's how they came up with these charges against the parents. So, um, and I'm not saying every parent in America should or the world should be at fault, but if that weapon is used to in 
in a uh, um, organized event that leads to the tragic outcomes we've seen. We have four kids died between the ages of 14 and 17. One child was 14, one victim was 14, one was 15, and two were 17 years old. I think the 16-year-old was a, uh, his name is Tate. He actually tried to um, prevent Ethan from killing more people. He ended up losing his life for that. So he's considered a hero. What lesson can we learn from this? It's a lot to unpack, but I'll say one. Um, it's very important. There is consequences for being a gun owner. Just because you have a gun doesn't mean you just leave it around your house unsecured, okay? And I know in America, no one has no other, you don't hardly hear of parents, family members, individuals who had a gun and was used in a crime, yet um, get charged with anything, right? But there are consequences for everything. There's consequences for uh, having a school have no security protocols. And something tragic can happen at the school. I saw some comments by the uh, super, superintendent of that school system. Um, I just thought it was poorly done, to be honest. You know, they basically saying their hands are clean and they didn't do anything wrong. Mm, a lot of people beg to differ on that one. There are consequences for not staying. And it's not to blame the parents, but you got to know what's going on with your kids. I heard a podcaster say something like, hey, if I have a child at home, you know what? I'm going to be, be nosy and know what's going on with you. And these days as parents, and I'm, I'm a future parent, as a future parent, I, I'm going to try to not suffocate my child, but I need to know what's going on with you. I need to be noticing your behavior and observing what's going on with your life. I can't be so busy and paying the bills and going out here that I miss mood changes, behavior changes. Um, and if I'm not in touch with the school only when something bad happens, no, I need to be in touch with your teachers and say, hey, how's he doing? Back in the day, my mom was uh, very involved with my school and she would pop up too. She would pop up at the school and uh, I, I uh, uh, stared up real straight, real quick, because I'm like, okay. Hey, mom, you know, no, my mom was involved. She knew what was going on with me, you know, even though she was busy making the money, trying to make pay the bills and stuff like that. She knew what was going on. There are consequences for um, letting stuff slide. You know, at the school, they let stuff slide with this young man on several occasions. They claimed there were no behavior issues because they never notated that. But trust and believe. In an urban school, they would have, hey, we had to bring him in. This person had to go to detention, da-da-da-da. I don't know what they're doing at that school system out there. Stop trying to protect bad behavior. If he had concerning behavior, but y'all just don't want to talk about it because it makes the school look bad, you just doing a job to make yourself look like you didn't do anything wrong. You know, there's consequences for that too. Mostly, you know... With our kids, we do have to listen to what they say, okay? Um, when you're not involved with what's going on with your child, you may miss a bunch of important things. 
And I think for the last five years of Ethan's life, he's had to hold in a lot of pain and confusion and he had no place to talk about it. Obviously, not sure if he was talking at home because the only thing he talked with was that piece of paper he was drawing on, angry, blood everywhere. Where did he get that from? Now, I know he used to play games and a lot of people would say, well, Pam, he played a lot of games. Those games made him go crazy. Those games, those games have no consequence. When when you, when my brothers and I used to play games, my mom used to have these conversations with us and say, "Hey, you know, that's a game. That's play pretend. When you go out there and you shoot somebody, and you, you gonna go to jail. Just saying. There's consequences for everything. So when you are having a conversation with your child or you're a mentor and you're engaging with them about like this stuff they see in the movies and the stuff they see in the games, that stuff is an alternative world. That is not a real world. Real world have real consequences. Okay. So that, that is what I want to leave this with is that prayers for that community, positive thoughts for anyone triggered by the reporting of this. If you have a loved one that lost their life from gun violence, I am very sorry. Uh, and sorry, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that that has happened to you. And I'm sending healing and positive thoughts to you during your process of grief and confusion and and emotional trauma that comes from having to even hear these stories. I'll say this, when the story broke, I try not to look at too much of it because, you know, as a former educator, I've been exposed to gun drills in schools. And even when I had to do that with my students, I used to hate it. And I was like, I hope I never have to deal with this. And to the teachers that had to hold these kids up and to the teacher that died, I mean, to, that they said a teacher got injured, not died. Uh, they said a teacher got injured in this event and it's on, you know, in, a, in the hospital now, uh, love and life and healing and restoration. I send my, my positive thoughts for that as well. I know this is long, but this one kind of hit me a different way. Um, there's a There's a lot to unpack here. So I probably will have to give an update in a future show, but uh, thank you for rocking with me as usual. Uh, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Be well and have a great weekend.